You're listening to Living in Alone Together. I am your only host, Yen. So today, I think、um, this is the first episode that I am recording after a really long night out. It's not too extreme. I went. I was back home by four a.m. But I haven't done this in quite a while, and、um, so it feels a little bit fresh to me. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't planned at all. I mean, I was gonna come back earlier, but somehow, you just met. You just meet、um, strangers, and you start talking, and you realize everyone is lonely, and you don't want to let that very brief moment of togetherness go. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Point is, I'm all good now.、Um, so I think I have two two topics to talk about.、Uh, the first one will be pretty brief. I think it is actually、um, an idea that came from my conversation with a with a stranger last night. We were both complaining about how we've got absolutely no friends on this planet and. And then,、um, some like in the middle of the conversation, he used the word ally, and we didn't really go into it. But I'm just gonna steal the word, and I feel like it is a great point to make. And、uh, I'm gonna propose a new social order、uh, with this term ally. So, <laughs> so yeah. So,、um, where should I even start? I think, I think in the past I've discussed a lot about human relationships and how limited it feels to to um to only have a few terms that describe your relationship and how often you get very confused and self conscious、um, when you feel like. You and a certain person is of this type of relationship, and you're not sure if your interaction、um, has exceeded the covenant of that relationship. So, for example, can you be friends with a coworker? Can you can you be in a romantic relationship with a coworker? And then, what exactly is、um, an appropriate or a Like a reasonable or socially acceptable、uh, interaction with a coworker, right? And a lot of this, a lot of this doubt stems from the very label itself, which is now to think of it, it's really funny. It's it's not like I actually consciously think that hey, this guy is my coworker, and therefore I'm gonna speak in X Y Z kind of fashion. It doesn't happen like that, but it's just that sometimes you do share some、um, moments with the people that you didn't expect to share it with, right? And then, and then you go home and you start sort of relishing in in your own feelings or in your in your day and just replaying the moments, and then you start to wonder. Well, is this is this a normal social activity, or rather, you get suspicious, right? You start thinking about if this person actually wants something from me, or has an ulterior、um, motive,、um, and it's all because of the of the labeling of your relationship as X, Y, or Z, right? And so, and if we and、uh, the the reverse also happens, right? If someone is labeled as your family, then somehow immediately、um, there's this very very heavy weight expectation of you and to them and of them to you, and、um, it becomes. It could be become very unbearable, and just because they're your family,、um, you're expected to do a bunch of X, Y, and Z for them. And then when you are distancing yourself, or you're finding yourself、um, not feeling so close to them, or you you just don't want to have the same kind of relationship 
um, with them anymore, or you want to change a little, a few terms, it suddenly becomes this sacred ground where uh, you start to qu question yourself and you start to blame yourself and you start to like a lot of guilt and it's just suddenly um, um, layered on top of your your desire to to change the relationship, right? And and and. So we've got coworker, you've got family, um, and then and then you've got the very ambiguous one, which is a friend. Um, unfortunately, I'm still at a stage where there is a true distinction between um, between a friend versus a a boyfriend or a romantic relationship, and so and so friend becomes this dumpster term where. Um, if you get confused about how you feel about someone or how you're interacting with some some person, you you just ask yourself, well, is this what a friend would you, would do? Uh, is this what a mere friend would do, right? And and then and then it gets very complicated because then everyone's conception of a friend um, differs tremendously. Uh, it depends on the culture, it depends on the personality, it depends on the individual circumstance. And so there's no real answer to it, and yet everyone is using the, the term friend in a very uh, casual way. And, and it's just, it's just, it doesn't really provide any help. Because if you, and so for example, you could also be quote unquote too too close to a friend that could be a thing or some people would feel like it and or because you're a friend you're expected to do certain things for your friend um so that so a friend is sort of an in between relationship between a coworker versus a family um to my for my understanding um to my understanding that's that's what it is um and so it's sort of this I'll say it again. It's a dumpster term where, if you don't know how to put a label on it, you tell you tell others that you're a friend. At least I think that's how people are using it. Um, and friendship is a very um, elusive concept. I think it changes all the time. Um, and you and for some person, for, sorry, for some people, um, a friend is like the closest relationship you can actually imagine right they 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 are not it's not a sexual relationship but they pretty much speak on the phone every single day or that's the first thing that um it's it's the first person you call when something with your family with your work or with your romantic relationship isn't working out so it it is really a dumpster person as well but at the same time i think I think how a person organizes their trash says the most about them. How they, how they, um, what what they put into the trash, what they consider trash, is really the most um, um, representative of of um, the person as a person, and um, and so the friend becomes the. Um, becomes the the very simple, the most emblematic part of um, a person's character, I think. They are the mirror, they are the, um, not the mirror, but they are the dark side of, of the person, um, but they also somehow a, are able to revise that dark side into a functional relationship, so it's, it's all very wonderful. Um, and so it's very interesting um, that that the, uh, the the concept of friend of friendship is very interesting because in if you read any of the self help books or if you just talk to people or you it's casually dropped everywhere. People would say things like, "Well, friends are the best thing. Everyone needs a friend. I feel lonely. I don't have any friends." And I think the word friend has really um transformed it's no longer i feel like people are not aware of it but the the, 
the the word friend um, no longer really refers to a person or a group of people in your actual life. I think the word friend has become this um, just a sim symbol in itself, where you sort of you use when whenever you're using the word friend um, in a an abstract sense of the word, as in you're not really referring to one specific person in your life. When you use the word friend. Like, I don't have any friends. I feel like you're really saying to someone else that I don't have um, a, a rubbish bin. I don't have a trash can. I don't, <laughs> I don't have a um, unnameable support system and, and the, um, like the secret weapon, right? It, it is something I'm lacking. I don't have any friends. I think when people, they, when they just drop phrases like, like this, they, they're not, yes, ultimately, often it, it refers to the idea of a, a somebody who would listen to you and pick up your call at this very weird hour of the night. I think that's what a lot of people have in mind when they conjure up this image of a friend. Um, but, um, I think, I think that is all too specific. I think what they really want may not be that late night phone call. I think what they really want is that a more general, big, warm pillow where you could cry, in, that you could cry into, that you could hug, and that it really is the all-encompassing part of a person's life um, and that is more powerful, um, um, more meta even than your family, than your relationship, or than your marriage, than your, than your work. And I think, I think so when people say that I've got no friends, <laughs> they're really referring to, to having no meta existence, right? There's no someone who would analyze your current situation with all of your other relationships. So it's supposed to be, I think, a true friendship in a lot of people's minds, or maybe in my mind, it's certainly, it is no longer um, tied, it's not really tied to anybody. It's not tied to anyone. It, it, it's way beyond that, and it has a much heavier connotation than we usually believe because um because our whole society is just um it's very pro-natalistic which we could talk about later but basically friendship is not something we are it's not the first thing that sociologists or just a common person um is eager to uh, to is eager to define the first thing right it is a concept that that's just so vague, and because it's so vague, it encompasses almost just everything. It could be we're just friends, or it could be they're my best friend. It could go from like a very thin notion to a very thick notion, and and so added up together, you suddenly have this idea that I don't have a friend, right? And this is when I think the term ally becomes very very useful because friend has already acquired this very strange connotation where it's both a mere thing, it's both inferior to some extent than your family and your relationship, and yet it's also superior to your work and your, and it's sort of like the ultimate go-to bag or pillow for when you are feeling very bad, right? And that everything else or the quote-unquote important things in your life are not holding up together, you go to your friend. And so this friend is really just this, this, um, this part of your life that isn't actually part of your life in a way, right? I think that's the modern function of a friend of a friendship where they're supposed to know all every single thing in your life without being part of it and so it becomes this very um it's a hugely uh imbalanced uh relationship uh to 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 a certain extent um but it's supposed to be bi-directional so if you're someone's friend 
they are probably also your friend. Um, and so you do stop, and you sort of do stop being your friends when you've got no work to do, you've got no relationship to tend to, as in you've got no romantic relationships to tend to, you've got no family matters to tend to, and then you go to your friends, right? They're sort of your last resort, but also because of this last resort dumpster nature of a friendship, they also become all-encompassing and the most important part of your life. And then because they have this important this status of just being all-powerful and so important, you feel like you can't really define anyone as a friend. So that's sort of, that's sort of the problem. And, 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 um, and also, and yet everyone's expecting you to have friends and you're, you're supposed to, if, if you go, like, if you're a stand-up comedian and you say words like, I've got no friends, or not just as a stand-up comedian, if you just talk to someone and then you start with, I've got no friends, this is, this is like a magic phrase that's gonna immediately connect um, a you to a stranger because it's a sentiment that is almost, it's, it means way beyond the surface uh, words, right? When people say, I've got no friends, they are telling you so much and yet it is a really simple phrase that everyone could understand. And so I just find, I find, I find the use of the friend, of the word friend, um, uh, has become very comedic and just amusing and, um, it's become very useless because it's just too vague. And so I think the term ally, um, I think if we introduce this term, there's gonna be a complete paradigm shift where people are no longer gonna feel lonely. I think a lot of times our feeling of being lonely um, is not a real feeling. It's just a feeling that you can identify when you've got all the terms of relationship laid out and 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 then you suddenly realize and then you sort of have this bag right and you're supposed to have a mother you're supposed to have a father you're supposed to have a teacher you're supposed to have a neighbor you're supposed to have a a this real important lover in your life and then you sort of count who is in my bag and you you can't really count that many and when when you do that mental counting uh subconsciously you then tell yourself you are lonely and 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 one important one important term in that bag that you should have is is friend right so for a lover for a neighbor and everything it's easy to say who who's my lover who's my neighbor who's my teacher my mother my father and so these are the normally not the people you're thinking about when you say you're lonely what you're really thinking about is i've got no friend and and if you know what I mean, right? So, so, and and yet you can't, you don't really know that. You just have this vague feeling that I don't have this trash person, this 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 spin in my in my life that is going to, going to know all my secrets, um, and knows everything about me and will be there all the time. And yet it's not my lover. And and then when you do that thinking subconsciously, you would. The, that the conclusion you would get is you've got no friend, um, you've got no friends, and you just you're just lonely, right? And so loneliness is, I think, very often tied directly to a friend, and people mistake loneliness to to the lack of a lover, and I think it's also it's only because a lot of people um, become lovers <laughs> from from being friends first, and they seek this lover person to be the the all-powerful person who is not just a friend in the way I've talked about, but also has all the other functions like the family, like the, like the, um, I don't know, like the relative or like the neighbor and you live together. So yeah, it's, he or she is also a neighbor. And so this, this lover becomes this all-empowering, um, sorry, all-powerful person because it is it's an evolution from a friend and i have a feeling that that is very wrong i have a feeling that we shouldn't expect just one person to do all the work 
um, and and because it's just and I think when people say they're lonely, they're re really referring to the friendship part of mod of a modern lover, right? I think we could say it's safe to say that it is easy to get to get sex. It's easy to get a hug. It's easy to get. Um, sort of the the caretaking nature of a lover, but I think it's the friendship part that's expected of a lover that is really missing. And so when people are lonely, and they think that it's because they're missing a lover, I think what they're missing is a real friend. And so okay, and so the term of of ally comes in, right? I think if we instead of having this very dense notion of a friend who's gonna be over and above all the relationships because they're the ultimate go-to person when your other relationships are in trouble. Instead of a friend being that kind of person and who's doing all the work, I think I think we can just get rid of the term friend altogether and just get rid of the like all of the um very specific terms of human relationships altogether and we can just use the term ally um for anyone who wishes you well in your life and 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 it's bi-directional so you, if, if someone is an ally you are gonna wish them well right i think i think i think that is gonna simplify things and it's not an oversimplification. So, for example, instead, so your dad and your mom or your teacher um, or your neighbor or your roommate, all of these people, if and only if you both wish each other well, you look out for them and it's a, bi it's a very clear bi-directional relationship, and there's no ulterior motive in the wishing well component. It's not like you can't get anything out of your relationship, but it's like the very, uh, it starts, or the very core of it is a bi-directional wishing well activity. Then, then that person is your ally, right? And and so and and the core component of what you used to call your family your co-worker or maybe not co-worker your family or your lover or your friends what you used to call these they're just um, um, tiny differences between your allies but it's not they're not a real distinction there's no real distinction between a mom and a dad and um, a roommate that you get along with and um, um, your favorite deli's owner that you you shops every single night right i think i think all of these people are allies in your life right you wouldn't and and the most the easiest the easiest sort of checking criterion to see if someone is your ally or not is that you are confident to say that they will be happy that you keep existing on this earth um, rather than wishing you to, just to go away and they would be devastated, they will be sad or negatively affected when you leave um, this earth, right? If you die or if you just disappear from their life, they're gonna miss you in a very pure way. I think if there's some, and then this is bi-directional, so you're gonna feel the same towards them, you want to see them, you like to talk to them, um, and if there is anything they need help with, you you hope things will turn out okay for them, and if that person, if you meet this, this criterion, you are an ally, and you've got yourself an ally, and, and I think it's just, it's a, it's such a, endearing term that is very underrated because I suppose people connected with the war or something and they connected to some sort of very uh, very transactional thing but I think we could use the term ally to replace the sort of the natural term that comes from 
just very um like external factors, right? For example, your mom is the person by definition who gave birth to you, and 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 then suddenly because of that, um, that external factor that is completely out of your control, suddenly you're supposed to. It's like such a loaded term, the term mother, so loaded, and suddenly you have to have you've got all of the obligations just just throwing at you and stirring at you and and bi-directional as well so the mother suddenly feels this this um whole set of of duties towards their child right same with father right the father um it could be a little bit more complicated than the mother because they didn't but let's say the biological father is still a father and and again just by virtue of, of genetics you suddenly have all these things associated with this person and you're tied to them um um you're like for life and and suddenly this is the person you've got to think about comes father day or mother's day whatever day it is right um and or um the original definition of 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 a friend that i talked about right this is it's also sort of externally determined right if the, if there is this person that you hang out with and you don't have sex with pretty much they're your friend right um and 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 so it's all very it's all very externally motivated it's sort of like you just suddenly open up this you, you so everyone just naturally um is supposed to have these boxes in your lives um and you've got this this family you've got this um your um your co-workers and all of these things that are just determined by by sort of circumstances that you did not decide by yourself say you go to work um and just because you are at the office together you are co-workers and then just by virtue of this this label there's suddenly a lot of things that people get frowned upon like because that and if you do it with your coworker, right? If you're too close to your co coworker, if you hang out too much, it's considered a little bit like not pleasant. And and also just for example, yesterday, uh, with the two strangers I was talking, I was talking to. I asked them, well, where were you? What were you doing before before we're talking now? They were like, well, we were like hanging out with a bunch of acquaintances. I'm like, well, you've got friends. And then they just denied it outright. They were like, no, no, they're not friends. They're just acquaintances. And it's just, it's just so very strange because you could be spending, it's suddenly just by virtue of them being coworkers, say, um, the quality, um, the time you spend together is supposed to just be, be diluted like if you spend two hours with a lover it's supposed to mean much more than spending the same two hours with a co-worker um which i think is just very unfair to the co-worker nor and it's also unfair to the lover because because by virtue of your label as the lover you're supposed to provide much more value in the same time frame right and it's just gives you a lot of burden and i think that's why a lot of marriages probably don't work because the very heavy label marriage husband wife whoever um suddenly um adds a lot of expectations on you and sometimes it's not it's out of your own control sometimes when you're communicating to 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 the quote unquote friends about your marriage for example suddenly other people are going to give you ideas about how to live how to go through your marriage like what is considered appropriate not appropriate and everything in a relationship that is known as marriage, right? Um, and people can get confused. People think about boundaries a lot. And um, I think maybe this whole trend of boundary setting is actually uh, very, very backwards. <laughs> I think instead of boundary settings and creating unnecessary labels between people, I think we should go the reverse, which is just, just as I said, just to see and treat everyone as an ally in your life like these are the people you will want to keep in your life and vice versa i think that's a very 
that's a very simple, useful relation, uh, definition, right? If you want them in your in their life, in your life, and you want you wish them well, and they choose you, then, um, then then you are allies, right? And uh, ally allies don't have this hierarchy, right? Allies don't have this. Just a lover is not worth more than your mom. Your mom is not worth more than your coworker. Um, if you get along with your coworker, that is, um, a friend is not inferior to to your mom or dad or or your your loved person, right? Loved ones, maybe. I mean, I I just think that if we could just reduce all of that 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 nuanced um boundaries that we're trying to find and draw whenever we feel um, that something is messed up, I think instead of that, we could have started with a simpler um, definition, a simpler, a simpler but not worse definition. And I think, I think yes, the, the, the term wishing well um, could be loaded as well, but I think it's a much better way to interpret relationship than um, the the conventional terms that everyone has been using forever and the, the, the meanings have just have evolved forever and um, it's all very loaded and they are like there are days associated with these 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 uh, relationships like Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, whatever it is and it all becomes very very artificial and I think wishing well is an internally determined component right we could we could you can you know and only you know if you wish well um on this other person you if you want to see them if you are happy that they exist in your proximity i think you know that and there's no one that can tell you otherwise so suppose you you've got one or two co-workers that you actually do wish well and not for um like a business purpose it's just you personally like this person and and they also think the same about you then they're not they're yes you can call them a co-worker but in the true nature they are uh they're your ally right and it's always good to have a few allies and if you enjoy a drink or two with your with your ally um just so be it, it you don't have to feel like oh shit i'm just <laughs> I'm just, I maybe I'm doing too much with a coworker. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe most people just go on, go, just live their life naturally, even though they're using very unnatural, artificial terms, um, and they don't worry about a thing. But I don't think that's true. See, like yesterday, these people they are saying things like, "Oh, we had a, we had some drinks with acquaintances. They're not friends, and I've got no friends in life." And so, I just find that. A little bit amusing. I think if we just use the term ally, it's uh, it's much better. And there's no so you could your mom, your dad, or your lover. I mean, a lot of relationships that you already have, they could not, they may not be your allies if you don't wish them well, or they don't wish you well. Um, or neither of, of of you actually wish each other well, right? I think in that sense um, that you could actually um, lose a few allies, <laughs> but but I think I think that's it. I think I think we should seriously consider um, adopting the term ally, and so we can lift the burden off the theoretical friend um that you you everyone is supposed to have and um i think if we just use the term ally our lives would be so much happier we would be so much feel so much better me in particular would feel so much better because when you listen to a lot of podcasts and it's not even it's not even psychology or anything that is just about about um how to live a good life not not that nature it's just it could just be two hosts talking about their sharing stuff about their lives and then like you listen to them and then you hear this phrase like oh like i was doing this and that with a friend whatever and you feel bad that you don't have that kind of person to do this and that with um and i mean i feel bad right and i feel like shit i've got no friends and I didn't have to feel that way. I think it's only because 
the modern use of the word friend has become so loaded and you, you're supposed to have this and that person um, specifically that sort of outsources uh, all the jobs um, of your other relationships um, but if we just use the term ally we can find that every friend every relationship we have probably has a strong component of friendship we could be friends with co-worker we could find an allied component in a co-worker and they're an ally. We could find an allied component in your neighbor. They could be your ally. And we need not necessarily have this person that we were, we're going to call in the middle of the night in order to qualify them as, as a friend, or right? Um, we could have drinks as our co-worker and slash ally. We don't need to uh, feel that it's it's any less uh, of a relationship than a what we call friend, right? And so I think I think it's gonna do like lift a lot of misery and just a uh, vague um, feeling of loss or emptiness or this vague idea of loneliness if we could just admit that look all we're looking for in life maybe is ultimately to to find a lot of allies and you don't need to have that hierarchy you don't need to have this obligation i think it should really everything should just come from from the heart internally all right so that is the first topic it turns out to be a little bit longer than i expected we could go to the second topic now but i don't think people will like this oh whatever it's my podcast so I want to talk a little bit about the bo- the the movie Barbie, and I was gonna say the booby Marbies. <laughs> anyway, the booby, sorry, the movie Barbie. <laughs> um, and right, I saw it, and um, I, I, I. I would say I would give it a 5 out of 10. Um, I thought I would really like it, but it was just not what I wanted, or rather what I was expecting. I sort of have this vague idea that it's going to be a very smart feminist movie where you're going to see so many hints and just um, metaphors, analogies, and just it's going to be very rich um, and and yet, I think I was I was really let down because I I don't know if this is a spoiler, but maybe it is. But I feel like it's just a very overly simplified version of feminism that they're trying to promote or trying to convey. And we're not even going to talk about the preachy, lecturing parts of the movie or where the director treats the audience as as stupid um and they have to point everything out for them in in by breaking a fourth wall or something right or by the narration i well i think they didn't break the fourth wall but they had this narration and that explained a lot of things that i mean if you took the narration away the movie would have been it might have been better so by this overly simplistic idea of feminism, it's just that um, I, I really it's very difficult to break down what this movie is about. But I think I think I think it's it's very weird. Like they're trying to promote this. So the basic plot goes like this, right? The Barbies uh, live in the Barbie world, and in the Barbie world, the women have all the quote unquote important jobs. Uh, pretty much. The only thing that the men do in Barbie world um, is that they stay on the beach and they're just accessories, okay? And then the Barbies, they are, they've got all the powers, they make all the decisions, the president is a woman and they've got this, this league and just a bunch of people um, running, ruling the, the world and they have houses which cans don't have. And then suddenly one day Barbie finds that she's having this very ultra human thought about about death and the meaning of existence and so she goes and finds this this uh, weird Barbie who is sort of in exile or sort of living in between Barbie land and human land um, and then the weird Barbie tells her, look, 
someone in the real human world is manipulating your life, or rather, they're the one playing you, and so playing with you. And if this person is not happy, you are gonna feel not happy as well. And so, if you want to be happy again, you gotta find this person and try to make them happy and try to see what's wrong in their life. And and therefore, Barbie embarks on this journey to to the real world, where she's gonna find that human person playing with her Barbie, and they would have a talk or something. I think so far so good. I think I I could, if that was the main plot, if the whole plot was just about Barbie, um, finding the real person playing with her and then figuring out what it is uh, in her life that that's troubling her it could turn out to be a very warm light-hearted movie for children too right and you could have character development maybe she's gonna the barbie's gonna discover that that actually one doesn't have to be happy all the time that it's good to have a range of emotions and maybe that's when things are gonna change the um uh, that's how things are gonna change in Barbie world, and all the Barbies might suddenly embrace this this uh, existential crisis or this sort of slightly dissatisfied state. If that's how the plot turns out, and and we see both character development of the Barbie and of the real person playing with her, I would be happy, and we can just. I think it would be a good story, and I think it's okay that the Barbie world remains this ultra feminine place where all everyone in power um, is, is is a woman, and the Kens just don't do anything. And that story would actually let Kens just let them be. They're gonna continue to be this this sort of comedic part of the movie, um, which is fine, and that proves the point, right? Like you could. She could just push this agenda or push this idea that a world where uh, the females are not just in power, they have complicated emotions, and that is embraced in this world, um, and the men are still just sort of secondary. I think I think that's fine. If she wants to push this kind of feminist vision, I mean, yes, it's gonna be critiqued, but it's not. It's not. It's, it could be interesting, right? I mean, I wouldn't be against that, but. But it's not like that. She goes to the real world and she finds this person who's playing with her Barbie. Sorry, with who's playing with her, and she realizes it's a it's a single mother. Oh, sorry, it's a mother, um, whose husband doesn't really play a role in 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 her life and and with a with a daughter, right? And then what happens is that in the real world, because Ken was also she he came with her, so. He discovered that oh this this world benefits him so much and this is the so-called patriarchy, and it just goes downhill from there because then anyway there are just a lot of side plots that really that distract you and you don't know which is the real plot. So putting the like the not so subtle feminist message aside, if you just look at the plot, you suddenly don't know what's the problem because then the um. What is it? Barbie's company, Mattel. The uh, executives there they realize that Barbie Barbie has come to the real world, and that's gonna be a big problem. And we don't know what the problem is, but their goal then is to catch Barbie and put her back in the box and ship her back to Barbie world. And there's no intermingling of the two worlds, right? And and so then suddenly there there are two plots at least. There well three plots. There's Ken discovering the sweetness of patriarchy there is barbie trying to find trying to like have this relationship with her her player mother <laughs> sounds weird but she, like she's trying to know what's going on in the in the mother's life so she could be happy again and then there's the mattel bosses trying to catch barbie and so everything then becomes entangled and anyway ken goes back to his world it goes back to barbie world and then turns it into this his version of patriarchy which is just reversing everything that barbie has and uh ken doesn't have and all the kens suddenly are in power and the mother and the barbie's story doesn't really 
play out at all. There's no real communication. There's no real understanding. There's no even a good look of the mother's um house with the daughter and the and the husband. Right, and there's no. Like there's no real conflict between the mother and and her husband, and you don't really know what's wrong. It's just there's this brief line in when she's talking in the car, and she's talking about how how yeah she's got depressed and nostalgic a little bit, and she's got these ideas of, of like thoughts of death. That's why Barbie is thinking them. That's it. There's no real uh, character development or relationship development between these two. Um, and then on the other hand, there is also the Mattel bosses trying to catch Barbie, and so they follow them to Barbie World again. So there's like at least three different storylines going on at this point. And then suddenly, everyone's back in Barbie World, and Barbies are trying to take back the ownership of the of the Barbie World. And and like they try, there are some interesting or comedic parts about it where they try to have them the, the, like this meeting about the tactics to to distract Ken, um, and there are some witty parts about that. Um, finally, they did it. They overturned the Kendom and and they have their Barbie lands back again. And then Kens are back to the very bottom. Of the hierarchy, and they sort of have very little power again. Except maybe they have this new condition where, fine, some of the cans could rule parts of the um, Congress or whatever it is. And so it really, and then, and then the final thing, which is the most shocking part, is just Barbie goes back to human world. She chooses to be human, and she suddenly got like a genital. Because uh, that is probably the source of all, like that's the very source of the difference between a man and a woman. And she goes to see this gynecologist, and that's where the movie ends. Uh, like Barbie becomes human, and it's just like you. And the difficulty uh, in talking about this film is exactly what makes it not so good because. You have no idea what it's trying to say, and yet it seems to be trying to squeezing a lot of things, um, and and yet you can't pinpoint exactly what is its point, because it seems to be saying that yes, idealistically,、uh, women should have all the powers, like should have all the powers. Period. And men should be accessories, and that would, and yet it seems to be also、uh, a satire where, where、uh, ultimately that is just not the reality, and、uh, that's why this thing is contained in Barbie world, and and um and that's why Barbie. Like she chooses to be human because she maybe doesn't want to live in that ultra feminine world. You don't know. You don't know if the whole thing is a satire on on feminism or the very lazy kind of liberal feminism, where if more women are quote unquote in power, then the world better. The world is. You don't know if it's a satire at all, and and yet, like when you look at the reviews, when you read, you talk to people about it, you have the feeling that most people won't think of it as a satire. Like they. Like they just take it at 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 the face value and and sort of finds it interesting. I don't know. I have no idea. And so, and um, and I think the the、uh, I think the fact that the um well, I think my my point about allies may have something to do with this. I think it has. It's probably what the radical feminists would like, right? Like there's no more. Men versus women. There's no more stuff associated with your personhood just because you have a certain type of genital. I think ultimately, maybe a brand of of that kind of feminist. They are looking for this ultra equal relationship between every human being, and just to get rid of all hierarchies or in general.、Um, I don't know. That's a bit off the point, but the the point is the point is um I don't really get the movie Barbie, and I think even if we discard the what the feminism you can find, if we discard that thing, we just look at the plot itself. I think it's just not well developed enough because you've got too many things. I think 
you could either focus on on um on Ken trying to revolutionize um Barbie world. You could focus on that. Or you could focus on exactly how the um human world and the Barbie world intermingles and how the Mattel bosses um are talk like you could just elaborate on the motel boss's world uh, words about about how if a Barbie appears in the real world then some disaster is gonna ensue or something like that. You could just focus on that point and look at the sort of um, cos cosmic relationship between the two worlds, right? Or you could focus on and I think this would be the simplest solution. If it's going to be a children's film as well, is you can focus on the 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 very specific life details of the human uh, mother, right? You could just look at like her past life and how Barbie, being pure and completely plastic, helps uh, helps her solve her problems or helps her see that her problems may not actually be problems. Whatever, I feel like they're just. There are many, like it started well, and you've got a lot of interesting um, ideas. And I think if you just develop one of them um, deeply, I think it would be much better than this this mess. I'm saying. So I don't know. I gotta think a lot more about whether or not it's it's supposed to be a huge critique on some lazy feminists. I don't know, but. It may be, but still, I think some parts are lazily done, like the narration. There, there's this, this just making the audience feel stupid. There's this, this, um, just trying to put everything, um, in front of you, and and you've got no breathing space, right? Um, and there's this final scene, pretty much when Barbie before Barbie decides to go to the human world. There's this. Uh, scene where she's sort of she's sort of in a trance or something with in a dream world with the very top boss of Mattel, which is the creator of, of Barbie, and she's got this like very simplistic. It's like she's they're in heaven or something, and they're talking and they talk about what we need to do about the future and all that, and that's when she decides to go to the real world. I think that scene is also very very lazily done because. It's just telling and it's not really showing anything. So, I don't know. I think that's why I'm giving it a five out of ten. It's like it started well, but then it's got, it just sort of got too complicated, and yet everything is overly simplified. And so that's my take on Barbie. Um, but it's also the very first movie I, I saw in the cinema in this country. I realized that you've got thirty minute, uh, commercials, uh, in the. In the beginning, and now I know you ought to be late, um, for at least twenty five minutes. Um, so that's my thoughts on Barbie. Um, glad I saw it though, because then I can see what the hype is all about, and you've got something to talk about when you meet someone new. So <laughs> that is just that's worth it in itself. Five out of ten. Anyway, so conclusion: we should all be allies. Thank you very much. So see you soon. Bye.